to sec, uh, excuse me, First Thessalonians chapter two. First Thessalonians chapter two. If you're using the the black Bibles, there in the chairs is page seven o four. First Thessalonians <clears throat> chapter two. As most of you know, or all of you, I don't know, uh, most of you should know that I, I've been dealing with a knee problem over the last several months. And uh, actually this morning I'm walking, like my mom said, you're, all, you're walking like a big boy. <clears throat> Thanks, Mom. <clears throat> but but uh, about a month ago, I started uh, physical therapy. And one of the things that uh, I've been learning in physical therapy is learning about muscles and tendons and and all that stuff. And it's really been quite interesting because it's something that, to be perfectly honest, for 59 years of my life, I've taken walking, walking for granted. You know, you just get up and go, you know. But those of you that have had similar issues... Uh, know that when you are down, uh, walking is a kind of a cool thing. And you miss it when you can't do it. But I've been learning all this stuff, and one of the things that I've learned that I thought was incredibly interesting that I had no idea is that after two days of non-use, your muscles start to atrophy. I I didn't know that. And uh, <clears throat> so basically, I went for about two months, maybe a little bit more, uh, and, and didn't use my leg. And so now I'm in the process of having to re, rebuild all those muscles. And uh, it is no fun. The other day, I was, I was, uh, I don't, I don't remember what exercise, I was doing something and, and uh it was a new it was it was a new exercise. And she says, Here, I want you to try this. And she puts this. It, it's only two pounds, but it felt like two hundred pounds on my ankle. And she says, I think it was this. She said, Now lift your leg. I was sitting on this table and my feet are dangling, and she says, Lift your leg. And <laughs> that's a <laughs> I mean, she could have just she could have taken the weight off just lifting my leg with nothing hurt. And I my response was, "Wow, that really hurts." She said, "Good, do five more." <laughs> and uh, I now I know why they call them physical terrorists. <clears throat> But now I can do five, and I mean, it it still hurts, but not as bad. You know what I mean? Because she explained to me that, I don't know which muscle it is, this this muscle right here. Uh, What is it, Lori? The quadriceps. Quadriceps. Okay. Anyway, the stronger they get, the the tendons that hold your kneecap, anyway, it it all works together. Like I said, I'm learning all this stuff. So... My point is this, in order to get stronger, I have to endure some pain. 
And those of you that have been through it know exactly what I'm talking about. Right, Nancy? <laughs> There's an interesting verse in Scripture. It's 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. It says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And <clears throat> recently I was reading this verse, and you know, I've read this verse. I, I don't know how many times I've read this verse, but I've often understood this verse, the, the word, particularly the word grow, to, you know, we're getting close to springtime. In fact, our, our, our daffodils are starting to come up and, you know, our grass is starting to turn green and so on and so forth. And, you know, at least for me, the, the idea of the word grow here uh, <clears throat> would be similar to, you know, planting a, uh, a, a seed in the ground and watering it and just letting it grow. That, that's that's kind of how I always uh, pictured this. So we were to grow in grace, a, a very slow, slow process. And, and oftentimes, you know, even when you plant a seed, there's really no guarantee that that seed is going to grow. But that's not, I, 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 for some reason, I, I, did, I did a word study, and that is not what that word grow means. Let, let, let me read you the definition, what, the, what this word literally means. It means to cause to become greater. In other words, when it hurts, do five more. See, it, it is not a hopeful, okay, are you going to grow? No, it is, okay, grow. Grow in grace. It is a, it is a um, intentional growth that you have to put yourself through the pain of growing. As we look at our our theme this year, uh, 2020 vision or, or focusing on the things of God. It is going only going to happen. It, our focus is only going to happen when we are intentional, when we grow in grace and force ourselves through the growing pains. I, I can't tell you how many times as a, as a young kid <clears throat> going to my mom and saying, I hurt. And she's like, ah, it's just growing pains. Right, Mom? She said that a lot. I think it was just got to be an excuse. <laughs> I know. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> the title of my message this morning is The Pain of Growing. The Pain of Growing. Because the reality is, if you're going to grow spiritually, there's going to be some pain involved. Just like if you're going to grow physically, there's going to be pain involved. If the, if the muscles in my legs are going to grow and mature back, hopefully where they were before, there's going to be some pain involved. The pain of growing. And uh, uh, <clears throat> just in, for those of you that keep track of all this, uh, this is going to be part one 
of, of probably two or three sermons, okay? So come back for next week and you'll get part two. <clears throat> but this is part one this morning. As we look at the church of Thessalonica, we, we, we will see that it was a very difficult time for Christians, and especially in that region. Uh, it was a very pagan society, and when when people got saved, there there was there was a lot of difficulty uh, associated with being a Christian in those days. And in the book of First uh, <clears throat> Thessalonians, as Paul is writing to the Thessalonians, he uses some words that describe some of the difficulties that the Christians went through. One of the words he uses is, is the word affliction. You'll see it in chapter 1, verse 6, and chapter 3, verse 3. Affliction. It means to pressure from circumstances. In other words, they would, they would arrange, the, the, the people would arrange circumstances for the Christians so that it made their lives difficult. Another word that he used to describe what they went through is in chapter 2, verse 14. And it means to suffer. Paul said that, that as he wrote to them, he says he used the word suffer. And it's the exact same word used to describe the suffering of our Lord on the cross. The Christians suffered. Another word that he used uh, to describe what they were going through in chapter 2, verse 15, is to be, they were persecuted. It literally means to be driven out or rejected. In chapter 2, verse 15, he also used the word contrary. And the word contrary here is a, is a, a, a wind that blows against to slow down progress. In other words, the, the people there would do everything they could to, to slow down the, the progress of Christians in, in the society. And then chapter 2, verse 18, he used another word that means to hinder or to literally put, it, put up obstructions in the way purposely to slow someone down, to, to either slow them down or even stop them from being able to go where they want to go. The Christians in Thessalonica suffered greatly for the cause of Christ. Things that, quite honestly, you and I today cannot even imagine. We, we have it so easy. Let's start reading. Well, <clears throat> yeah, let's start reading in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, <clears throat> verses 19 and 20. For what is our hope or joy of, of crown excuse me, or crown of rejoicing. Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6 says, And ye became uh, followers of us of, of, and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, and with joy. The key word in both of these, these verses that I just read, or, or three verses I just read, 
is the word joy. Now, I want you to think about this. We're going to pray here in just a second, but I want, to think, I want you to think about the fact how in the world could Paul, after all of the adjectives uh, describing the suffering and the persecution and, and all of the things that they went through, Paul said, but you have joy. Think about that for a second. How can you have joy in the midst of suffering? Let's pray. Dear Lord, we ask that you would guide and direct in our lives, that you would speak to our hearts, and that you would help us to, to see and to know you more. And Lord, as we look at this passage of Scripture, we ask that you would speak to our hearts, and that you would help us to see and to know your joy in the midst of difficult situations. We love you and we thank you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 1 John chapter 1, verse 4 says, And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. See, way too often we connect joy with our circumstances. And as long as life is going well, we have joy. But what happens when life goes south on us? Does that mean our joy is gone? It shouldn't. Because my joy is not connected to my circumstances. My joy is connected to God. And He never changes. So if my joy changes, guess what happens? My, my connection with God changes. As crazy as it sounds, Paul is trying to communicate to us the fact that we can have joy in the midst of any circumstances. The pain of growing. Can we have joy in the midst of pain? Absolutely we can. My first point this morning, and it's going to be the only point. Well, I've got some sub points, but we'll pick, like I said, we'll pick up the rest next week. What is this? What is the main source here on earth of our joy? Point number one is the Word of God. Where do we where do we draw this joy from? Where do we get the the resources, if you would, to be able to <clears throat> live that life of joy. Let's read chapter 2, verse 13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, when ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which ye affectionately worketh also in you that believe. It is the word of God that changes lives. It is the word of God that can be a source of great joy in our lives. When a pastor is ordained, 
he is, uh, at least as far as I know, every pastor I've ever known that's been ordained, is required to write what we call a, 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 an ordination paper. And in this ordination paper, basically what an ordination paper is, is that uh, <clears throat> you, you are to write down everything that you believe concerning different aspects of doctrine. And <clears throat> my ordination paper contains 10 different aspects of doctrine. Let me read it to you. Uh, bibliography, theology, Christology, pneumatology, anthropology, eternal state, soteriology, ecclesiology, angelology, and eschatology. Now, <clears throat> now we're going to have a quiz after, okay? Okay. <laughs> It's just a lot of big words that, that really, it, it really is pretty simple. The very, the very first one in, in my list was bibliography, okay? Now, can anybody tell me what that is? It's a big word, right? Huh? No, it's, it's, it, it basically, uh, it, it is the, the, the study of the nature of the Bible as it, re, as it is the revelation of God. So basically, bibliography is a, is a uh, doctrine of the the belief that the Bible is the Word of God. Okay. Now, in every <clears throat> uh, do, uh, or, ordination paper that I've ever seen, uh, bibli bibliography is always the first ology. Does that make sense? Okay, so my question is, why is that always the first one? Yeah, if you, if you don't believe the Bible, the rest of it is nonsense. So you, you've got to get the Bible right if you're going to get any of it right. Paul here is acknowledging <clears throat> that the, the the church of Thessal the, 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 that the church of Thessalonica got it right. They understood that the Bible is the word of God. Let's read verse thirteen again. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you receive the word of God. When ye heard it of us, ye received it not as words of men, but how? But as it is in truth, the word of God. Just recently I was asked, someone said, you know, how, how can I convince someone that the Bible was not written by a bunch of men? You can't. It's something that they're going to have to believe on their own. See, and it's not my job, it's not your job to convince anybody that the Bible is the Word of God. That, that's God's job. And if they, if they cannot accept it as the Word of God, then, then they've got major problems. The Word of God. So, 
<clears throat> the first thing I want to talk about, about the Word of God this morning and the, and the, the Thessalonian believers, first is they valued the Word of God. They valued the Word of God. Now, I'm going to say something here, and, and you may think I'm crazy, but, but that's okay. How much do you value the Word of God? Did you know that <clears throat> it is a an offense for a Muslim to take the Quran into a bathroom. It is, it is an incredible offense. They, they will absolutely not take the Quran into a bathroom. And you may think it's silly. I don't take my Bible into a bathroom. I won't do it. Why? To me, it's a sign of respect. When I set my Bible on my desk at, at, at home, I try never, occasionally I forget and I do it, but I try never to put anything on top of it. Why? Because to me, it's a sign of respect. A couple years ago, most of you know that I go out to the Lovelock prison <clears throat> once a month. And, and uh, <clears throat> after I was, I was getting ready to leave, and I, I got back out to the gatehouse, and I, I thought, you know, <clears throat> it's a long ride home. So I always try and use the restroom before I hit the road to come home. And, and I always leave my, my Bible. Uh, uh, there's a... There's a there's usually a desk sitting out in the lobby of the gatehouse, and I usually set my Bible down and, and go in, use the restroom, and then come back out. And uh, th this one particular day, I came out and got in my, my truck and came all the way home. And the next morning, I'm sitting at my, de my desk saying, where's my Bible? <laughs> and guess what? I drive all the way back out to... To, but you know what? That's okay. How much do you value the Word of God? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You know what? <clears throat> this is not just a book. This is the Word of God. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scriptures <clears throat> is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Psalm chapter 19, verses 7 to 9. 
The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. The other day, I was driving down the road, and I, I don't remember where I was. I, 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 I Honestly, I don't remember where I was. But <clears throat> I was driving down the road, and I looked over, and there was a car next to me. Sitting up on the dashboard of, their, of the vehicle was a Bible. And <clears throat> you could tell that it had been there for a while. The sun had... You know the, the 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 cover was all peeling, and you, you know what I mean. My first thought was, there's somebody that does not respect the word of God. Now it could be that that person keeps it there so that they could read it on their lunch break or or whatever. I I, I don't know the circumstances. I have no clue. But let me ask you, how much do you respect the word of God? How much do you value the the Word of God? Is it a book that's precious to you? See, to the the Thessalonian believers, the Word of God was precious. They valued the Word of God. (coughs) Excuse me. It says that they received it not as the Word of men, but as it is in truth, the Word of God. They valued the Word of God. Let me ask you another question. Now we're going to get personal. Would you rather have your Bible or food? Think about that. Job chapter 23, verse 12. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Now, do you think Job was just using this as a cool saying, or do you think he meant it? He meant it. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, But he, Jesus, answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. When Jesus was being tempted by Satan, his reply was, you know what? The word of God is more important than the bread. Think about this for a second. Think about this for a second. The word of God can guarantee us Eternal life, can it not? What does what does food do? It sustains us until the next meal. And we can get hungry, but you know what? If we die without the truth of this book being implanted in our lives, then we've eaten a lot of food for nothing. 
This book is more precious than food. Let me ask you another question. Now, now I'm starting to meddle a little bit. Who, ju- who just said that? It's okay. That's what she said. Okay, I thought that's what I heard. She said, that's okay. Good, good. Would you rather have your Bible or money? Oh, now, now you've crossed the line, Pastor. Wait till the next question. Then I'm gonna. Then you're gonna get real mad. Would you rather have your Bible or money? Psalm chapter 19, verse 10. More to be desired are they than gold. What What are the the word they? What are those? The the truths of God. More to be desired are the truths of God than gold. Yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. The psalmist is saying, you know what? The, 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 the truths of the word of God are more precious to me than, than much fine gold. Psalm 19, excuse me, Psalm 119, 162 says, And I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. Proverbs chapter 2 Verses 1 through 5. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and will hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searcheth her as hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. What does is what is Solomon say in his, in his final years of life? What, is it, what does Solomon say? He says in, in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 11, Then I looked on all the works of my hands had wrought. Now, let, let's stop right there. All the works that his hands had wrought. At that time, Solomon would have been the richest person alive. Chances are really good if he were alive today and his riches were to transfer into uh, 2020 money, he'd probably still be the richest man alive. He's probably been the richest man to ever live if you transferred his wealth into current day. Everything that he'd been able to accumulate... Everything. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought and on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, it was vanity and vexation of spirit. And there was no profit under the sun. After all the accumulation of wealth, Solomon is saying, look, It's all empty and vain. And we put so much trust, so much emphasis on what we have when the most precious thing we have oftentimes we don't even read.
Last question. Well, not the last. Well, almost the last question. Would you rather have your Bible or sleep? Now you've crossed the line, Pastor. You know, the money thing, okay, I can, I can live without, but sleep, ain't no way I'm giving up my sleep. Psalm chapter 119, 148. Mine eyes prevented <clears throat> uh, the night watches that I might meditate on thy word. Psalm chapter 63, verse 6. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. Let me, let me kind of explain to you <clears throat> the watches that they, the Jews had at the time. Because they had to protect their cities. Their cities were in constant threat of being, being attacked. And the, the, the watches that they had, they had three watches. They went from sunset to 10 o'clock at night. From 10 o'clock at night to 2 in the morning. And then from 2 in the morning to dawn. And what the psalmist is saying here is, is really quite profound. It is better, it is more important to meditate on the Word of God than to sleep through the night. They valued the Word of God. Sadly, many Christians cannot even get out of bed 10, 15 minutes before they go to work to spend some time in the Word of God. They valued the Word of God. Secondly, they embraced the Word of God. <clears throat> they embraced the Word of God. Let's read verse 13 again. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, <clears throat> because ye received the Word of God, which ye heard of us. Ye received it not as the word, word of men, but as it is in truth, the Word of God, which, ye affection, which affectionately worketh also in you that believe. In this one verse, the word receive is in there twice. I don't know if you noticed that or not, but it's an interesting it's an interesting thing here because even though it's the same English word, it's a different Greek word. The first received that's in there is is gives the idea that it is received by someone. Okay, so that it, 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 it they received it from us, he says. The second received <clears throat> that is used is it, it says to welcome or entertain with enthusiasm. So here you have two words. In English, they're the same word, but in Greek, it means two different things. In other words, let me put it to you this way. The first one is to receive with your ears the second one is to receive with your heart. Now those of you that have kids know that there's a difference between the two. 
Kids love to hear receive with their ears all the time. But how often do they receive it with their hearts? <laughs> getting it getting it through there, getting it through that through that maze of of stuff to get it to their hearts. But see, <clears throat> the church of Thessalon the, the church of Thessalonica received it. They heard it and they received it with their hearts. There's a big difference. We need to do the same thing. The reality is this. We can come here every Sunday, every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, every Bible study, and we can receive with our ears all the time. But if it doesn't make it to our hearts, then we're just spinning our wheels. Because if you don't receive this book with your heart, then when you walk out these doors, you are never going to change. This book only changes you when it gets into your heart. We need to be careful that we hear the word of God. Matthew chapter 13, verse 9. Who hath ears, let him hear. We need to, it is, we've got to be careful that, that we hear the word of God. That we allow the word of God to get to our hearts. We need to be careful what we hear. Mark chapter 20, uh, excuse me, Mark chapter 4, verse 24. And he <clears throat> said unto them, Take heed what ye hear. With what measure ye meet, it shall be measured unto you, and <clears throat> unto you that hear shall more be given. You know, we live in a world that's full of noise. And I believe the noisier the world is, the less we hear this book. And Satan's goal is to make the noise, the world, the, the noise of this world drown out the Word of God in your life. So not only that we hear, what we hear but how we hear. Luke chapter 8, verse 18, Take heed therefore how ye, how ye hear, for <clears throat> whatsoever hath to him shall it be given, and, who, and whosoever hath not for him shall be taken even uh, that which he seeth, seemeth to have. Many Christians today, many Christians today, are more interested in religious entertainment than they are hearing the truth of the Word of God. I have I have a, f a friend of mine. Some of you have heard me talk about him, but he uh, he got out of he was a believer that I, I knew from Lovelock, and he 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 got out of prison. I don't know six or eight months ago, and and recently he he and I were talking, and and he he is having a hard time finding a church in Oregon that preaches truth. He's been to a lot. Of, he says he he told me he says he says pastor, <clears throat> the truth is I can find a lot of churches that 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 like to entertain, and they and they preach some truth. 
but it, I, I, I can't find a church that preaches truth. How very sad. And, th- and this is what he said. I- I'm not exaggerating. He told me, it's, he said, it, is, it was easier to be a Christian in prison than it is out of prison. Broke my heart. Second Timothy chapter four, verses three and four. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Recently, our son Tim moved to Houston, Texas. Guess who Guess who has a church in Houston, Texas? Yeah, I, I call him Smiley. Okay, old Smiley. Tim told me, he said, he said, Dad, he said, it, it is, they, they have like three services on a Sunday, I think he said. And he says, tens of thousands of people go to that church. How very sad. How very sad. Not only did they value the Word of God, they embraced the Word of God, but thirdly, they applied the Word of God. In verse 13, it says, The Word of God, which effectually worketh also in you. In you. The Word of God worketh in you that believe. The Word of God made a difference in their lives. As I was sitting at my desk thinking about this idea of the Word of God making a difference in lives. I was reminded of a story in in the book of John. John chapter 5, verse 5 through 8. It says, A certain man was there which had an infirmity 38 years. 38 years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been Now a long time in in this case. He saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in the pool. But when I am uh, come, another man steppeth down before me. And Jesus said unto him, Arise, take up thy bed, and walk. And, And the man stands up, picks up his bed and takes off. He did the impossible. It was absolutely impossible for that man to get up and do that. You say, but what are you talking about? Atrophy starts to set in two days after a muscle's not being used. 30 Eight years the man laid in his bed. Do you think muscular he had anything left? Nothing. But 
Jesus' words were, get up and walk. And when he obeyed the word of God, the impossible happened. The word of God changes lives. As I sat there and I thought, man, after two months, the pain and suffering that I'm going through, I, I can't believe the guy had been laying in that, in that condition for 38 years. And I could just imagine in my mind these skinny, bony legs with no muscles. And Jesus saying, arise and walk. This book can change your life if you'll let it. Bibliology is critical in our lives. If we don't understand this book, if we don't value this book, if we don't embrace this book, and if we don't apply this book, then this book is just a book. What is it to you? Is it the Word of God? Or is it just a book? Now, I'm not saying that you can't put anything on top of your Bible or anything like that. That Nowhere in the Bible does it say to do that. It's just something that I do. Because I always want in my life to remind myself of the importance of this book in my life. The Word of God. Is it going to change your life? Or is it just going to be a pretty book that you keep on your bookshelf? Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for